Good morning, everybody. How are y'all? It's good to see you. Good to see you. Wouldn't you rather be here than the best hospital in Tyler? How many people I'd rather be here? Yeah? Amen. 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 Um, it is. I, I would just join in with Jason in welcoming all of our guests. Glad that everybody is here. Um, we're going to jump right into a couple things. First of all, let me say announcements. I would encourage everybody, please be back with us next Sunday. Uh, Pastor Danny Tice, Danny and Karen Tice will be here next Sunday, and if uh, so that's always a good time. Uh, Danny was the one who led me to the Lord this December. It'll be 50 years ago, so uh, I was eight uh, months old, and um, maybe not, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, but anyhow, so uh, I encourage you. He's a great, great man of God, and uh, you'll, enjoy, you'll enjoy his message next week. So I encourage you to be here. We're going to uh, jump right in. The last couple of weeks, we've been focusing on uh, joy, okay? I mentioned last week, if uh, Jesus was asking questions, he'd say, where's the joy? Where's the joy in our lives? And, uh, and I hope that you've had a joy-filled week. Can anybody, does anybody else feel like that uh, the 4th of July was a month ago? Can you believe it was, just, it was just last Monday, right? Corey, I'll bet you do. Does everybody know that Corey, Pastor Corey, has had a, um, he's had a shift, a change in his life since last week. He's no more, longer just a father now. He is a grandfather. Woo! So, uh, yeah, baby Finn arrived, and uh, everybody's doing well, so we congratulate you guys for, uh, for that. Um, uh, look at somebody, turn to somebody, somebody uh, around you there, and just look into their eyes for a second and say, man, I am so glad you're here, all right? Come on, find somebody. All right, find somebody, yeah. All right, you're not doing it. Don't make me come back there. Okay, so, uh, all right. Okay, now turn to your second choice and let your, I'm glad you're here too. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, it is good to be in the house of the, of the Lord. We're going to continue talking about joy and I uh, want to remind you that the, uh, and again, if you didn't get to hear this, we're not going to go into all the detail, but the last couple of weeks we've mentioned some of these basics about joy. You can go back and look at the messages, but we, we define biblical joy as the presence of inner contentment and satisfaction because we know that God is with us and will use all of our experiences to accomplish his work and his purpose in and through our lives. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that knowledge? No matter what it is, good, bad, right, beautiful, not so beautiful, <laughs> that God is working in all those things um, to work his purposes in our lives. And because of that, we can respond to all of life's circumstances by choosing to remain at peace and grateful to the Lord. Anybody grateful to the Lord today? Anybody really grateful to the Lord today? Come on, let's give him a hand, clap of praise. One more. Amen. So um, we talked about joy when it uh, involves relationships, and this is important because today we're going to talk about relationships a little bit and joy, but joy relationally defined is uh, someone who is glad to be with me. Walking into a room and looking into someone's eyes and seeing the sparkle in their eyes because you're there. So um, isn't that a great feeling? Don't you love that? When you walk into some place and just, man, you just know you're welcomed and people are glad that you're there, opposed to how um, we feel when we walk into certain stores in Tyler, right? So, um, so right. Oh, no, another customer we got to deal with, right? So, 
Okay, so just uh, three points. We've covered these before. Go back and look at them. But remember, God is a God of joy. His kingdom is a kingdom of joy. His people are a people of joy. Can anybody say amen? Amen. And because God wants his people, uh, us, to be filled with joy, uh, the reason he wants that for us is because his joy, the joy of the Lord, is our strength. Ne- Nehemiah talks about this, about how that God, his, his presence with us and in us strengthens us for whatever thing we face, whatever situation we go through in life. So today we're going to turn our attention to the joy of families. And, uh, because God wants not just individuals to be filled with joy, he wants families to be filled with joy. He, he really does. So uh, I apologize to our tech guys already. I'm going to deviate from our, my notes a little bit here. And um, back in, uh, back in uh, March, uh, I was preparing to go to uh, India. And uh, Pastor Rotten had called me and he said, uh, hey, when you come to India, if you would, I'd like you to do a, a, a family conference. Did one a few years ago and the Lord just put his hand on it and blessed it and so I'd like to do that again. And so he, I said, well, what do you want me to talk about? And he said, just, you know, seek the Lord. And so I really was. I was asking the Lord. And God began to stir in my heart of this sense of a, just there just needs to be an increase of joy in us, in our world, in our, in our lives. But, but especially in families, there's this, um, there just needs to be an increase of joy that's in us and, and among us. And uh, so I did. I started preparing for that. Then before Easter, went over there and got to share this. And again, God was just good and faithful. And you know, there's a difference between um, when you teach something, you know, and you know it, and, and you know it's truth, but then uh, when you've had to live through it, some of it, it just carries a little different weight. Does anybody know what I mean? Just kind of, it, it kind of has a little deeper a root, a little deeper meaning in, uh, in our lives. And so uh, that's where I feel like, that's where I feel like I'm at today is that there's just a little deeper sense of one appreciation for the joy of the Lord. I mentioned a few weeks ago, standing with a pastor friend and who had just lost his son in a car accident and being able to hear him declare and say, I'm devastated. I don't, we, we, we have no words. I'm devastated. But I'm so thankful that I know God is with me. And, and, and again, it wasn't hilarious laughter, but it was just a sense of peace that no matter what it is, God is going to carry me through. Aren't you glad for that promise today that it's true for you, that God's going to carry you through any circumstance and any situation? So I, am, I do. I got family, God created families. They're his plan. Amen. Uh, God's the one that originated this whole idea of family. Uh, it wasn't created by culture. It wasn't created by the government. Um, it was created by God and with a very specific, uh, a very specific purpose. And so, um, one of the things I, this is, I didn't give the guys this scripture, so they don't have it. But in De- Deuteronomy chapter five, and we'll come back to this. But I, I wanted to go ahead and lay this out here in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. Some of you may have heard this verse where it says, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you. Anybody ever hear that growing up? 
So I didn't, I heard it. You guys are good. Good job. Way to go. Um, I, I heard it from Danny's dad a lot. My parents, <laughs> you need to honor your father, mother, honor your, your elders. Okay. Um, as your God has commanded you that your days may be long upon the earth. And sometimes when we quote the scripture, we stop right there, that your days may be long on the earth. You know, even in the new, or later in the New Testament, we read this, we'll read that it kind of stops right there, that your days, it's, it's a scripture of promise that your days may be long. But, but God's promise wasn't just long days. God's promise was that it may go well with you in the land, that it may go well with you. Can, can I... I can't emphasize strongly enough today to say is that God's plan for your life is that it goes well with you. God's plan for your marriage, God's plan for, for you as a person is that it goes well with you, okay? That, that it's good, that it's healthy, that it's, uh, as uh, Psalm 92 puts it, says uh, that because we're planted in the Lord, in the house of the Lord, that we flourish uh, even when we get old, right? Our leaf doesn't fade and we still produce fruit, okay? We produce, we're, we don't become fruity, we pr- keep producing fruit, right? So that's God's plan is that it goes well. Say it with me, that it goes well, okay? Say that it goes well with me, that it goes well with my family, that it goes well in my marriage, that it goes well with my children, amen? That's the purpose, that's the intention of God. Uh, one writer, when talking about families, he said this, he says, there's two essential elements to family. One is marriage and the other is parenthood. They reveal God's character like nothing else in creation. The love between a husband and a wife provides a glimpse of Christ's passionate devotion to us as his bride. And in the same way, the ups and downs of parenthood. Anybody, I know this will be a surprise to most of you if you're a parent, but there's ups, okay, and downs in parenthood. Anybody, I know some of you have never experienced that. There's ups and there's downs in parenthood, right? But these ups and downs in parenthood offer a compelling picture of God's tenderness and his patience toward us as his children. Okay, so family does more than just reflect God's character. It provides a safe place where children can experience God's love through their parents and learn how to love other people. This next is, this is my thought. In my mind, family's the place where we practice where we um, we practice and perfect being God's special people. Do you know you're one of God's special people? And so in family, it's where we practice some of these things. And, and it's, I've used this illustration before, it's like being in a rock tumbler where we kind of knock some of the rough edges off of each other's lives. And if we'll stay in it long enough, man, what'll come out will be something that's beautiful, more beautiful than it could have ever been if it was on its own. So family is where we grow in the character and the conduct of Jesus Christ. It's where we learn to value people, appreciate differences, develop patience, and grow in Jesus Christ. It's where the joy of serving others replaces the singular focus of selfishness. Okay? So family's not just about one person, is it? It's not just about you. It's not just about them. It's about, right? It really isn't. It's where we put self aside so that the whole can benefit. So family is where the heart and the ability for grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness is developed. It's in that context of family. This was always God's intention. 
And let me say, I've got in my notes here, I've got a couple little asterisks by the word forgiveness. We're going to circle back around to this in a few minutes. But if we don't learn and develop and walk wonderfully, gracefully in the grace of forgiveness and family, family will do nothing but fail. If forgiveness has got to be, there's got to be so much love that forgiveness just flows like water in our families. As a matter of fact, years ago, when I was uh, doing, going through a study, some of you may have heard of a guy named Larry Lee. He taught uh, uh, kind of a teaching on the Lord's Prayer. And when he came to, you know, Father, forgive us our sins, what, what he had taught there was, God, so give us our daily bread. Fill us so full of the supply of everything that we need. God, of your peace and of your joy and of your love. and your, Fill us so full, God, of your love that no matter what anybody ever does to us, we will have already forgiven them in our hearts. Wouldn't that be a great way to live? That no matter what anybody says, that no matter what anybody does, that no matter what action they give us, no matter how they, <laughs> how they roll their eyes at us, right? How they put their hands on their hips. You're, you haven't had any kids do that to you, is that right? You know, wait till your little granddaughter just puts her hip on there and says, sit down because I told you to, right? <laughs> like, God, I need forgiveness right now in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I need some help. Yeah, you know? So forgiveness has to be a part of our, of our lives. It has to be part of our families. You know, one of the things that God uses to describe, to kind of portray family, family portrays this, it's the church. Can I just say, I know we've said this before, but but you know, church isn't all about just one person. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. It's not the way I see it, the way I want it. It's not about preference, right? It's about allowing his work to come into us as a body and, and mold and shape our lives individually. It's about, sometimes it's, um, sometimes there's some, some headbutting, right? Sometimes, some, uh, sometimes there's some difficulties that go on but the difficulties go on, okay, not to divide us, but to beautify us, to, to give us the opportunity to, perf- to practice grace and to practice mercy and to practice forgiveness, okay? Amen? You know what I'm right? And so uh, I think a lot of times when difficulties come and, and in our culture, we tend to say, well, something's stirring inside of me. It's a time to go out. Can I tell you that sometimes... When something's stirring inside of us, it's not time to go out, it's time to go up. It's time to go to a higher level. It's time, maybe it's God raising you to a, to a new place of receiving his love and grace and goodness and, and also being able to give that, to sow that into the lives of others. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's talk about marriage really, really quickly. All right, I'm just going to... Barely, barely touch on, on this because I want to get over into parenting for a minute, but I did hear this uh, story about marriage. Maybe you've heard this, that, uh, that, that when God created uh, Adam and Eve, you know, put them in the garden, when God created Adam, he put him in the garden, he said, um, God came to Adam one day and Adam was feeling very lonely. And so God said, hey, listen, Adam, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to make you a companion. And we're going to call this companion woman. And this... Uh, This person, this woman, she will cook for you and wash your clothes. She'll bear your children. 
I haven't even got to the, the <laughs> she's going to bear your, she's going to um, take care of your children. She's never going to ask you to get up in the middle of the night to help out. She will always agree with you. And uh, if you have a disagreement, she'll be the first to admit that she was wrong and apologize. <laughs> Adam <laughs> stepped back and he went, wow, God, that is an amazing deal. He said, now God, what is something like this going to cost me? He said, well, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg, okay? Adam thought for a minute. He goes, well, God, what can I get for a rib? And as they say, the rest is history. Yes. <laughs> just kidding, ladies. Just kidding. We love you. We're so glad. Look into our eyes. We're glad you're here. You bring joy to our lives. Unfortunately, um, in way too many marriages, joy is not the word that um, immediately comes to mind when we think about marriage, but it should be. It really, really should be. You know, in Genesis chapter 2, the scripture says this, it says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, hallelujah, and not ashamed, right? And, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a whole teaching we could go into here that really we don't have time to get into. Let me just put it like this. Leave, okay, this leaving father and mother describes that this man then has a change of priorities in his life. It's no longer just about him, and it's no longer just about her. Now it's, it's coming together, and so the priorities change in the life of the husband and of the wife be joined together emphasizes presence, that they're going to be committed, they're going to be connected to each other, and, that, um, and also I think it represents a sense of permanence, that, that you know, we're coming together, one man, one wife, one lifetime. Uh, that's God's ultimate and purpose and intention. And then he says one flesh. Now, I believe this has a lot of different implications, including spiritual, emotional, uh, sexual, uh, intimacy, all of these things. But he's very, what he's saying here is that all of these are vitally important in the growth and development of a healthy marriage and of a, a healthy family. But the only way that this can take place is what's set up here in, this, in the scripture is the only way that this can take place is in the presence of the Lord, so, so we read in Genesis 3, we carry on over to Genesis 3, and, and Genesis 3 is where the, um, the, the serpent comes and he tempts Eve and, and Adam, you know, and then they both, man, listen to this, they both eat of the fruit, right? Both are responsible. They both sin, they, okay? And after they've sinned, we read in verse 7, it says this, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves loincloths. The first thing we see here is, is that instead of being um, kind of oblivious to self after sin, you know what? They became completely focused on self. They were very self-aware. And I know that's what everybody's trying to get, to become self-aware. Can I tell you, we need to be less self-aware and a whole lot more God-aware, Okay. We, we really do. It'll change our lives. It'll change our perspective. And so we see they become very self-aware and then being self-aware, they knew that they were naked. So they sewed together leaves and they began to cover themselves. And you know what? That covering has continued for decades and centuries and 
for until the time we're here. And what happens is when they put that first layer of leaves on, you know what it was? It was the first degree of separation and relationship with husbands and wives and with God. Because we read in the next scripture, it says this, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The practice was that they would, can you imagine having a standing appointment with God to take a walk in the garden of Eden? Wouldn't that be amazing? In his presence, they took a walk with him and in his presence, they got fed everything that they needed. They got fed life and joy and peace, everything they needed in the presence of the Lord. But instead of that, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. See, God's plan for marriage was that it was always to be lived in the atmosphere of his presence. Do you remember the scripture we've talked about? Psalm 16 11 says this, you show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Again, that's God's plan. Joy and pleasure in the presence of God. Joy and pleasure is what God wants filling our lives, but it starts with his presence. Okay, it it flows from him. I've been reading a book called The Other Half of Church, and uh, and basically it's just talking about that we're missing some of the, the emotional, the experiential side of church that we really do need. But can I, I say, thank you. I'm so thankful we're part of a church that says we embrace the emotions God gives us, that we, we love each other, we care for each other. And I just thank you how that was demonstrated to me even today as you guys prayed. But they, the book says this, it says, an atmosphere of love must be present for the heart to thrive. And an atmosphere of joy must be present for the brain to develop. Now think of that in the context of our homes. We want our, we want our marriage to thrive. What needs to be happening in our marriages? There needs to be love, okay, for our hearts to grow. And there needs to be joy for our brains to connect, for, our, for us to experience true transformation. Not to, you know, the Bible says, it says that, uh, that the two shall become one. And what usually happens, a lot of times happens in, in marriages, the two said, yeah, we're going to become one. We're just trying to decide which one were we going to become, her or him, right? You know what God's intention is, is that we become a whole new one, something new that only he can create out of his presence in our lives. Ephesians chapter 5, 22, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33 talks about um, how a joy-filled, how marriage and family uh, should work. And I'm going to skip over some things here, but I'm just going to, I'm going to say this, that um, when the scripture says this, it says, um, verse 17, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And verse 18 says, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. Verse 21 then puts it like this. It says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. For us to have successful, love-filled, joy-filled marriages, it begins by each of us submitting ourselves fully and completely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Without his covering, without his presence on, on and over and in our lives, we will not be able to be everything that he wants us to be. Amen? Amen. So let's jump into parenting for just, a, uh, for just a second. Ephesians chapter 6 goes on. It says this. It says, children, 
Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the commandment with a promise. Remember, we read that in Deuteronomy chapter 5. That it may go well with you and that you live long in the land. So he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. When it, when it comes to parenting, um, you know, we, we want to value every single second of life. We, we really do. There's so many fun things that happen just in the moments, in those moments. But we also have to think about seasons. Now, I'm going to give you something here that just in this next moment or two that might, uh, hopefully, will help all of us, all right? The Bible paints the picture that when it comes to raising children, that there are kind of three different seasons of life. The first would be childhood. And in that childhood season, that kind of from birth till, say, 12 years old or something like that, the, the, the scripture there in, in Proverbs 22, it says that we're to train up a child. So that first season that we're involved with, when it's with children, we, we train the children, okay? What we're doing in training is we're teaching them what to do, okay? Don't touch that. Don't hit your brother. Don't say that. Don't, right? So we're, we're just telling them what to do. And what they do, what their response to that is, how they honor, how they, they demonstrate, okay, love and honor to the parents is, is they obey what they're told. Don't touch. They don't touch, right? We've, we've talked about this before, that, that in parenting, I think it's, it's good to remember that partial obedience is total disobedience, amen? And even delayed obedience, right, is something that we need to look at from a, from a godly perspective about the issue of the heart. So we're, we're telling them to what to think. But when we move to the next area, the next phase, maybe adolescence, as they move into the teenage years up into the time, uh, varies 18, 20 years old until they move into marriage, that the the Bible talks about how that we teach our children, okay? So we move from, from training to teaching, and, and when we move from training to teaching, what we do is instead of telling them everything to do, okay, uh, just, just, just here, do this, do this, we teach them how to think, okay? We teach them how to think about what they do. So there's a shift in seasons. There's a shift here. And so here, what we're doing is maybe we're asking questions because we don't, we're not going to go through life. And unfortunately, this is where problems come up is that is if we keep treating them like children as parents, we're going to frustrate them. We're going to cause issues and problems in their lives. So, so parents make a shift from uh, this uh, just training and telling them to now asking them, what do you think about? Okay, and so we ask them questions like, um, you know, when you're choosing a spouse, what, what are you going to be looking for? What characteristics are important to you? What values are important to you? How, how are you going to, you know, questions like, how, can, how do you see your current education, your opportunity, your privilege, I'm trying to help your parents, of going to school, how do you see that helping you in the future? Do you think it's going to have any value to you? So what we do is we, we help train them how to think, okay? Does that make sense? Are we all together here? Amen. And then we move into adulthood. And so in adulthood, the change, the transformation that takes place, and again, it's not just a click transformation, but it's a growth process, is that with, with the parent, 
We move from being the one that's doing the teaching and the training to the one that becomes alongside as a mentor, as a, as a friend, as a counselor. And then we make ourselves, and the way that we honor our children is we make ourselves available to them. Okay, we're here for you. I've got you back. I'm with you. I'm just, I'm available to you. I make time for you. And the way then that children, okay, still love and honor and show respect to their, uh, their adult parents, or okay, to these parents at this time, is they reach out and draw them in. They include them in thoughts and discussions, and they're not getting permission Okay, sometimes they're just getting counsel. Sometimes they're just getting affirmation, right? Okay, so the problem that happens many times is that, okay, in, in, in this generation, I know that with our millennial generation, it's we go in and we counsel among ourselves and we come up with solutions and ideas and thoughts, but you know what? Those solutions and ideas and thoughts are contained within just one perspective of life. And you miss a whole realm of potential good counsel, wisdom, and perspective. And so what we do is we make our decisions, then we come and we drop the decision. Mom, dad, moving out, going to Africa, <laughs> right? Yep. Mom, dad, found a guy, you know, found a, found a girl. Yeah, we love each other. We're going to go shack up, <laughs> right? That's always a great idea, right? <laughs> How's that work for you? Okay. And, and so and then that, what we find out is that doesn't honor anybody. It, it really doesn't. And you know, as I was processing this, just over the last week or so, all of a sudden it hit me. It hit me in my... I was just uh, with the Lord, and I was thinking about how many times, instead of at the very front of an issue in life, do I run to God and say, God... Man, this is what's on my heart. Am I transparent? Am I trusting? Am I loving? Do I believe that God loves me enough that he won't try to control me? He's not being a hover dad. He's not being a helicopter mom, right? He's not being all this. He, he loves me enough that I can run to him and say, God, this is what I'm processing. This is what I'm going through. And he'll listen. And he might even say, well, have you considered this? Or Man, that's a great idea. I'm so proud of the way that you're processing that, the way that you're going through that. But you know what I found out in my life? Sometimes what I want to do is I want to go ahead and make the decision, throw it on God's doorstep and say, what do you think about that, God? You ever, has anybody here ever had a, um, a pet that would, uh, that would go out and catch things like you know, moles and mice and snakes and stuff, and then bring them to your door and sit there and wag their tail like, look at me, look what I did, look what I did, look what I brought you. <laughs> Aren't you proud of me? Aren't you proud of me? Look what I did. And I'm like, no, I don't like snakes. You know? <laughs> and they'll throw it up in the air and they'll show it off. And, and I think a lot of times, and it really has, it just, it, it broke my heart that's how many times have I been like that before God? Oh God, I dealt with this situation, this circumstance. And God goes, yes, son, that's great. <laughs> but I, I could have helped you not have to keep your head buried in dirt looking for moles and snakes. I could have helped you see this maybe from a different perspective. You could have stood on my shoulders and seen further than you could have stood on your own shoulders. 
So I found that I had to come to the Lord and say, God, forgive me. It's not ever what I want to do. I don't try to impress you. Some of us grew up unfathered and without fathers. And and one of the things that goes on in our hearts is we still think that we have to earn a father's approval. We think we have to earn a parent's acceptance. And so we work and work and work and try to make ourselves good and do good and show ourselves good. And then when I'm good enough, then maybe they'll love me, value me, affirm me. But you know what? With our God, we never have to do that. And can I tell you this, as healthy parents, we never need that from our kids. Let me say this. I had this in my heart to say to, to, to leaders, to young leaders here in this church, okay? I, I want to encourage you. Don't think you got to get it done and then come say, hey, look what I did. You've got people that love you. You, you got Pat, Corey and Chris and Sam and other wise people, Rick and others that they care enough about you that we're here for you. And when you're, when you're doing good, man, we want to, don't rob us of the opportunity of patting you on the back and encouraging you and say, way to go, way to think, way to, way to process things. And don't rob yourself of the affirmation or the admonition, okay, or maybe even the wisdom that will help make your life well in the land of living. Because it's not just what we want for you. It's what God wants for you. He wants it well for you. I can't speak for anybody, but I can say this. Nobody's trying to control you. That's never been our hearts. Nobody's heart. But we want to be faithful and and being a covering over your life and helping to create an atmosphere where you can grow up and do everything that God wants you to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. A guy named Ray Steadman said this. He said, there are two things which cause rebellion in children. Two things which provoke a child ultimately to rebel against his parents. One is indulgence and two is harshness. The problem is that the generation that I grew up with, that most parents, a lot of dads, thought that harshness was the way that you disciplined, was the way that you showed that you cared. Boy, you know, none of you ever experienced any of that, I'm sure, right? And only, no, it's, it, it was part of a generational misunderstanding. But can I tell you that that the opposite of that okay, is just as bad when it comes to indulging every whim, every desire, every thought. We don't want to squelch any of their create. Listen, some of their creativity doesn't maybe need to be squelched, but it needs to be channeled, right? <laughs> and so I would say that we are to bring them up. We're, look, spoiling a child is not going to help them. And for, this will come as a surprise to a lot of people. Spoil, what, spare the rod, spoil the child is not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. <laughs> okay? Okay? God's never about spoiling us. He's about growing us and developing us into the amazing, powerful, victorious men and women of God that can transform a world that we live in today. God's all about providing a healthy atmosphere. And one quick aside, can I say this? 
if we're going to be families that are filled with the celebration, joyful celebrations, there can never be criticism. It is, Chuck Swindoll said this, he said, it is difficult, if not impossible, to criticize and celebrate simultaneously. You want your kids' lives filled with joy, but all you do is cut them down, okay? All you do is dog them, talk negatively about them. It just won't work. Amen? Amen. I, uh, I don't even know why I put this in here, but down in my notes it said, even worse, we hand them over to a screen to raise them. Whatever that means, right? So, right? We pacify our kids because they need to see one more of one more chapter of Cocoa Melon, right? Right? Or J, is anybody sick of JJ? I am just, you know, over him, uh, right? Or how many people have got so much Paw Patrol stuff stacked up, you know? I mean, right? Yeah. Listen, spiritual failure in the life of a family, in the life of an individual, a child, a parent, doesn't usually, is not usually due to... Um, to just one huge mess up or blow up, one meltdown. You know, somebody steps on your last nerve and it all came crashing. It doesn't happen that way. Usually what happens is it's due to an accumulation of small compromises over a long period of time. And I just encourage us today, the goal of our lives is not to make the, 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 it's, it's not to make the home all about the child. It's not to make the home all about the parent. Child-centric, home-centric, it's to make it Jesus-centric, amen? If we want health, if we want life, if we want, if we want joy, if we want true love, it's got to be about focusing on Jesus. So let me close with this, okay? Josh, give you the eye there, buddy. All right. We need more joy, more celebration in our marriages and in our families, we need more fun in our homes. We need more times of celebrating, being thankful, of honoring each other, of rejoicing. How many people think they'd like to have more of that in their homes? Anybody here? Man, I would. I believe that's what God wants to do. You know, I thought about this. I thought if we have a hard time celebrating and being joyful um, around the family table, right, just with us a few... We may have a difficult time around the banquet table of heaven. Okay? So what I want to ask today is, I found myself having to repent for times when I didn't know how one to be a son to God or how to be a father to children. Okay? Sometimes treating a child like they're in the wrong season of their life or... Right? Amen? Or, or treating God. Sometimes children treat parents, okay, like they're in the wrong season of life. And so what do we do when we've blown it? What do we do when we mess up, folks? Remember, we started with this forgiveness. That forgiveness may be an active part of the grace of God being manifest in every home, in every marriage, Every marriage, every home, every relationship between husbands, wives, moms, dad, children, sons, daughters. We need this in our lives. So um, I just wrote these words down. I don't know about you, but maybe a time of repentance for where I've tried to do it on my own and in my own strength and through my own ability. Anybody here say, that's me. 
I've blown it. There's been a time when I blew it. Anybody ever blown it once? How many people have ever blown it once? Right. You guys are amazing. That's right. Never blown it once. That's great. That's fantastic. So <laughs> what do we do? How about if we just take a moment and we yield our hearts to God and we genuinely, and let me say this, your parent may have already passed away. My dad's already gone, okay? Okay, but when I do something, when I come before the Lord and do something that's right for my heart, I'm not doing it for him, I'm doing it for me. Amen? So why don't we just go before the Lord and say, God, God, show me anything in my life, God, where I've, God, where I've missed it, God, when I've lived in the wrong season, where I've applied the wrong process, the wrong actions, the wrong attitudes, whether it be to a husband or a wife or to a child or to a parent or God, even to you, even to you. God, forgive me. Come on, let's start there. Just tell him, say, God, I really do. I repent of that. It was wrong and it was selfish and it was self-centered and it was, God, it was so narrow. It was so immature. So God, today I repent and I, I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your forgiveness. Go ahead, ask him, okay? And God, now I receive that forgiveness. Come on, that's important, folks. It's important that we receive the finished work of Jesus Christ. God, I receive your forgiveness into my life and I rejoice. I say, thank you, God, that your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness, which is new every day, abounds in my life. I thank you. I thank you. Now, can we do one more thing? One more thing. If you're with your family here today or have a family member present, just is there anything you just need to, to maybe repent to them about? To just to, just to, to tell them you're sorry and to ask for forgiveness for? I, I, just, I just encourage you, just if they're not here, then just before the day is over. Just, just find a time to, to go to them and say, mom, dad, son, daughter, husband, wife, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me for, for being selfish or self-centered or self-focused? Or Will you forgive me, God? Uh, person, you know, will you forgive me? And with God's help, I'm not, I'm not going to live that way any longer. I'm going to walk equipped and empowered in the season that we're in to be who God wants me to be and needs me to be to help things be well in your life in this land in Jesus' name. Will you stand with me, please?
I feel like, guys, I, I don't want us to be just process-oriented about this. Forget, I want it to be a real issue of the heart. I sense that what a lot of, what let's sometimes we do, and listen to me, okay? I know it's time to go, and, but sometimes we think that if I just put time between the offense, that time will make it better. So let's just not talk about it. Let's just pretend it didn't happen. Can I tell you, time doesn't make it better, okay? Time may help it get buried deeper in our lives. Time may push it down where resentment can grow. And and the Bible says that every evil thing can grow in that hidden, covered place. Do you know what forgiveness does? Forgiveness drags it into the light. It says, in the light of Jesus... God, I surrender this and ask you, God, to work healing in my life and in our marriage and in our family. And if you need that today, if you need it in any relationship in your life, before you go, can I encourage you, don't walk out that door, okay, without having somebody pray with you. And I don't care if it's everybody, all right? But I want us to leave here more healthy, more healed, more free, more empowered, amen, more joyful, more peaceful, more ready to celebrate and to experience God's goodness every day of our life going forward. In Jesus' name. If that's you guys, if you need prayer, come on, step out now. Come on, step out. I encourage you. If you need just something of forgiveness, something of repentance, over a family issue. If you've got a family issue going on in your life, okay, I, I know it, it, people might, oh, what's wrong with it? Don't worry about people. God knows, right? Come on. All right. If you've ever been offended by a mom or a dad, if you've ever been offended by a son or a daughter, you're living in, if you've ever been hurt by a spouse and there's not complete freedom, forgiveness, and healing in your life right now, I want to encourage you to step out. Come on. Step out in the name of Jesus. Let's see him work an amazing, miraculous work of healing in your life that you can experience his peace and joy like never before in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray and dismiss, but you're free to still come, okay? Father, right now, I thank you. I thank you for every one of my brothers and sisters. I thank you for every man, for every woman, for every boy and girl. God, I thank you for every marriage, for every family that's here today. And God, we acknowledge today that we're not strong enough, we're not smart enough, we're not able to do this thing called life in our own strength, in our own ability. God, we need your presence in our lives. Forgive us when we've tried to do it on our own. Forgive us, oh God. And now empower us, fill us, flood us. Come on, church. Everybody, why don't you all lift your hands with me one more time. Just say, come on, God. Just fill me. Fill me with your peace. Fill me with your presence, oh God. Fill me, God, with that joy unspeakable and full of glory that empowers my life to be everything that you've created me to be. In the mighty and wonderful and powerful name of Jesus, all God's people said,
Amen. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise this morning, God. God, we bless you. We bless you, God, and I bless your people now in Jesus' name. God bless you, folks. Don't forget Wednesday. We'll see you next Sunday. If Don't leave if you need prayer, okay? Come on, we love you guys. I mean it. Don't leave. Come on, kids, if that's you, come on. Let, let the Lord minister to you in a special way today in Jesus' name. God bless you.